It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Hey, welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Uh, Today, we have Kenny Colton on our podcast. Uh, But before we get into his story, I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about us, me and Robbie. We haven't had a chance to kind of break loose and do our own separate podcast because we've been going our own separate ways recently. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, Robbie, how's it been going, man? All right. Yourself? I've been doing good. I did my first 20 miler on a treadmill today and didn't suck that bad. You know, so I watched. Movie did you watch? I watched Gladiator. I turned Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of motivation there, and then I that helps. Yeah, and then I, uh, as some of you may know, I registered for Rocky Raccoon 100, which this will probably come out about the time Rocky Raccoon 100 is going on. So you'll be able to hear me uh, talk about Rocky Raccoon a uh, month and a half before I'm going to run it. But yeah, so uh, that was my first 20 miler in the training. Um, yeah, I think it's a 50 mile week. So I don't know, pretty, uh, pretty excited for it. So it was negative 25 today. So I stuck with the treadmill instead of going out and doing that. You didn't want to run 20 miles in the negative 20 degree temperature. I did not. I don't mind going outside. It's not a big deal, but like, I don't know if I like trip and fall and I'm 10 miles away, like I'm screwed. Yeah. That cold's going to take over quick. So I just decided to to do a uh, indoor run. I will do an outdoor run. If it's, you know, within an hour and a half or something like that, I'll find a way to, to loop it or whatever. And, you know, if it's a shorter run, I'll do that. But well, I, didn't I, mind. I wanted to say something. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review. Yes, please. It does nothing but help us uh, find more fellow listeners. Because yes, we listen to our own podcast. <laughs> so that's where all of our listens come from. Is- yeah, exactly. Uh, myself, my wife, you, your family—that's our five listeners. <laughs> so please, if you uh, like this podcast, leave us a review. If you don't like this podcast, leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing. Let us know what we're not doing. What do you want to hear? Um, you can follow us on Golden Hour Adventures Podcast on Instagram. You can follow myself running in stash or you can follow Robbie at run Hills 605 uh come out check us out and yeah and cool. let us know if you want to come on we're always open to have our listeners come on and chat with us yeah we absolutely stores and we'd love it I think that'd be a, a cool thing to start doing like throwing throwing three of our listeners we'll have to have my mom on and your mom on <laughs> one of my sisters <laughs> <laughs> oh too funny too funny <laughs> Well, let's get down to the podcast, man. So today we have, oh, I'm going to screw this up because he told me what it was and I forgot. Kenny. Uh, let's just, let's just introduce him. Kenny Colton. Welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, uh, thanks, Justin. Thanks, Robbie, for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. So I was told uh, Kenny is a, a badass and uh, I didn't realize that he was a fellow Air Force firefighter. And so when I logged on, I saw the the sweatshirt he was wearing. I was like, oh, dang. So we have probably 70 or 80 friends in common. We just never have ran into each other. So, which in the Air Force, in Air Force firefighter, it's a pretty small little career field. So I'm surprised that we haven't, but 
maybe one day our our paths will cross. But Kenny, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I've been in the military since 2007. Um, honestly, you know, I know we're going to talk about hunting today, but that it really helped me, you know, achieve all the goals I've uh, been after. You know, a lot of hunters seem to set goals for themselves and uh, being stationed in so many different uh, locations. Um, it just really brought it all together and was, uh, I was able to do all that. You know, a lot of guys can't afford to fly to Alaska to go hunting and Arizona and New Mexico, Texas, South Dakota. So it, uh, actually helped my dreams come true. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's provided a lot for me and my family. So, uh, no regrets for sure. So what, what was the, I I wasn't going to say it, I wasn't going to screw it up, but you've done something that a lot of people haven't done before. What is it called? So it's called the uh, Super 10. It's a Grand Slam Club Ovis is the uh, company, or I guess the, uh, they run it, I guess. They're, uh, they just help out the hunting community and spread awareness. They're kind of like, you know, Ducks Unlimited, National, all that stuff. So that's that's Ovis that is, that runs the, the Super 10? Yeah, it's Grand Slam Club Ovis as well. Oh, Grand Slam Club. Okay, got you, got you. Uh, so explain to us what is the Super 10, or what is the Grand Slam, to be honest with you? So the Grand Slam is actually the 29 big game species in North America. So um starts off with your bears, black bear, grizzly bear, polar bear, uh, all the deer, you know, white-tailed deer, mule deer, sick of black-tailed deer. So there's 29 species in that uh, Grand Slam. Um, the, what the super 10 is, is it's one of each species, basically one of each subspecies. So you basically have to shoot a, one of the, one of the bears, um, a mountain lion, one deer, one elk, one caribou, one moose, either a bison or muskox, uh, a goat, an antelope and a sheep. Wow. Seems like that would take a lot of time. Yeah, uh, it took me about, I started, I mean, I started hunting when I was younger and then uh, didn't really, I didn't hear about it till I was like 22 and I was like, I'm going to do that. And I completed it when I was 32. So about oh, wow. a decade. Wow. Was that like one a year? Uh, it all came together in Alaska because a lot of the stuff is, you know, your caribou, your mountain goats, your sheep, um, buffalo. The, uh, a lot of that stuff is, you know, can be shot up in Alaska. So that's where, um, really, you know, I think I've got four in one year. Oh, wow. The, uh, I guess the most interesting thing is, you know, a lot of people try to draw tags, um, to get certain, you know, they can wait 20 years to draw a sheep tag. The, uh, I do a lot of, uh, do it yourself DIY. And, uh, I guess that's where it was beneficial being in all those locations. So let's step back a little bit and let's, uh, let's go back to what you mentioned in your younger years. Like how'd you get into hunting? Like who, who mentored you, brought you up in the, into the sport? Yeah. So I started hunting with my dad, uh, on the weekends, you know, just pheasants, um, in Minnesota, a little bit of ducks and then started hunting deer. And then, uh, they got big deer out in Minnesota. Yeah, there's some uh, definitely some corn-fed deer out there for sure. <laughs> Bigger than the uh, Texas deer. For sure. Yeah, is that a shotgun state? Uh, so the southern half of Minnesota is shotgun only. 
Okay. That adds a little bit more of a, a curveball to things. Yeah, for sure. And then um, being in South Dakota, I got a taste of the uh, Western style hunting spot and stalk. You know, I was used to sitting in the woods and just waiting for a deer to walk by and then got a taste of that. And then uh, Arizona, all open spot and stalk and just went up from there. Nice. Why don't you break down what, what, what those animals in each state you got was? So the first one would have been a white-tailed deer in Minnesota when, uh, you know, I think I was 12 when I shot my first deer, a little spike. Um, trying to get a, I might mess up the order a little bit, but uh, shot a, probably one of the hardest ones to get a mountain lion. I shot that one actually second when I was stationed in Arizona. I was actually duck hunting, duck hunting when I shot that. Most guys use dogs and, you know, get them up in a tree. Um, I actually shot that one from about 15 yards away. Oh my gosh. Duck shot. Was he, was he, was he charging or? With a shotgun. No, it was wow. actually, <laughs> actually had some dead ducks laying in front of the blind and it was actually stalking. Like, I don't know if it got their wind and it came stalking in. Nothing and, done. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah, I had to, you know, I don't want to be too vulgar, but yeah, I shot it, you know, right in the ear, it was <laughs> 10 yards, 15 yards away Did drop it. with number two shot, number two Ooh. duck shot. <laughs> and then, uh, so after Arizona went to Alaska and that's where I ended up getting my first black bear, um, shot a caribou moose, the mountain goat, the doll sheep. And then while I was stationed up in Alaska, I flew to Nevada, got the antelope. And then uh, my final one was uh, in 2019. It was New Mexico. Uh, and that was the elk was the last. Nice. So as an elk species is, cons- is different than the, the deer. They're not considered yes. part of the deer. No, the elk is the Rocky Mountain elk, uh, Roosevelt elk, which is in like California, Oregon, some in Alaska, and then the Thule elk. Okay. So, Hey, break down what the 10 are. Like uh, the 10, 10 can be one bear, one cat, a deer, an elk, one caribou, one moose, a bison, mountain goat, antelope, and a sheep. Okay. Oh, it's, it just seems insane to me for, you know, like you've just been super lucky to be stationed in areas that, you know, have allowed you to hunt that. I mean, like, what would this, something like this cost for, you know, a person that doesn't have the luxury of living in Alaska for four years or living in Arizona? Like, I can just only imagine a, uh, doll, I, a doll sheep hunt being twenty, thirty thousand $30,000. I mean, am I yeah, in the doll, ballpark? Doll or? Sheep, yeah, doll sheep run about twenty, thirty. You're oh. You're right on there. Um, I mean, even a moose hunt runs almost fifteen. So I would say almost probably a quarter million dollars if you add, you know, equipment, flights, taxidermy, everything. So, yeah, I would say a quarter million probably. But, I mean, that doesn't go without you having to pay some of that money. I mean, I understand, like, your taxidermy and you had to have your own equipment. But, I, I mean, a very small fraction of the price is probably what you paid to get all that done. I would say probably for the price of what a moose hunt, maybe like 15 grand, like you're probably out the door, 15 grand. I, I would, I yeah. don't know. I'm, yeah, no, that's actually probably a good guess. Cause I, you know, 
being in the military, we, we make good, you know, we make decent money, but yeah, a lot of the, you know, gear I didn't go too crazy with. Um, I paid for it in the long run because, yeah. you know, a, if you buy, you know, a hundred dollar pack versus an $800 pack, you definitely feel it on your back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. I, uh, you know, we're, we're Robbie and I are both in the running community and we always say like, if you, you have to buy nice gear, like, cause you're just going to go back and buy it again. Yeah. So yeah, can... cheap gear. Definitely. Um, I was on Kodiak and, uh, surprisingly I gave my dad a nice, uh, my nice tent. I, we were on Kodiak Island, Alaska for people, you know, I forget people don't might not know where Kodiak is, but yeah, we were on Kodiak Island and, uh, I gave him my nice tent and I slept in the Amazon tent. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, every every pole snapped. I had water in my tent. Yeah, it, was, it was a miserable five days. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, speaking of that, man, like like we want to hear stories. That's that's what this podcast is about. Like, tell us your story. Like, you've been all over the U.S. hunting for all of these animals, and you got to have some experiences, some funny stories, like. What are, what are some of your stories, man? Tell us some of your, uh, your funny mishaps. The stuff that has gone wrong always makes the best stories. Yeah. So, I mean, I learned a lot for sure. Uh, I went after elk in South Dakota. Um, you know, I was, I think I was 19 at the time. Didn't have tons of experience. Um, I went solo first mistake. Ooh, that's a big uh, animal solo. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have a GPS. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, hiked back like 10 miles and uh, I was using landmarks as you know kind of like I was going to oh go straight, gosh. Kind of straight out um snowstorm blew in it wasn't wasn't in the forecast and everything got snow covered and I ended up uh hiking I think it was like 37 miles to the nearest road I just walked you know I knew there was a road to the the west and I was like oh you know sun's Sun's that way. I started walking. I didn't get there until the next morning. Um, He's an ultra runner. Barely any water. Um, I got picked up the next morning by some construction workers, and they took me to the nearest town. And uh, my buddy ended up giving me a ride back to my truck. So that was one of the first crazy experiences. The uh, I would say it was, that was, uh, you said early on when you were young, that, so that was probably 2007, 2008, I'm assuming. Uh, 2009. Okay. Yeah. Cell phones so. were a thing, but it wasn't like service. I mean, even in the Black Hills now, like service is terrible. So I can't, I can only imagine you didn't have anything back then. Yeah, no, definitely no service. The, uh, but I learned a lot, you know, and then I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going to purchase a GPS. <laughs> um, I tried to, you know, there's a few solo hunts in there, but I try to go with somebody now, even if they're, you know, unexperienced or whatever, just to kind of tag along. Um, so, you know, every hunt I've learned a, a great lesson from, even though I've almost, you know, probably lost my life. Uh, my mom tells me I have nine lives. Um, I was in a bush crane or bush plane crash in Alaska. No, um, <laughs> all right we got to hear it. you can't just leave it you can't leave us man actually it. that that could be the thumbnail for the uh, <laughs> podcast. uh 
yeah, Kodiak Island, um, that same goat hunt where my tent got all messed up. We were uh, subalpine lake, and the uh, pilot took off, and he said, oh, shit. And I was like, we're dead. <laughs> this is it. And uh, it was a float plane, and, uh, yeah, we ended up on land for sure. Not <laughs> oh, my gosh. How bad yeah. was it? Uh, not bad. We, I think when I looked down at his uh, like tachometer there or whatever it's called on a plane, he was going about like 60 miles an hour because he kind of shut down and we hit the land and bounced about hundred yards into the trees. So we got lucky for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely got lucky. Was that on takeoff? Yeah. On takeoff. That's the and, worst. Uh, he said a downdraft pushed him down, you know, just on mm -hmm. expected wind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine. I nope. That's another nope. Yeah, I would have swam back to the mainland. <laughs> yeah, those things don't do very well on land either. Luckily, we had a satellite phone with us. You know, learn <laughs> past experiences. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I would say the hardest hunt and one of the most difficult hunts was definitely the doll sheep. Um, as you guys know. You guys probably run up in the mountains, you know, being at them higher elevations and trying to find water. We ended up getting dropped off in the Brooks Range up in Alaska by a bush plane, and we floated. Uh, our goal was to float back to the road, so we we're going to float 80 miles on pack rafts back to the road. And that was going to be a 14-day hunt. Ended up being 10, which was good. The uh, A lot of stuff I probably should have practice you know i've kayaked before but i never really pack raft before so i <laughs> 200 yards in rolled my raft in a glacier so start i was soaked and then did you lose uh, any gear or no did you all have it all tied down or oh uh, i had it all tied down okay i've heard stories of people like losing everything yeah no luckily had it bungee corded and <laughs> 200 yards into the float trip and yeah, that's 80 so, miles. How long does it take to do 80 miles? Uh, about six days. Oh my gosh. So 20 minutes into your, into your trip. You flip <laughs> your yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> continuing on, we woke up with, uh, you know, snow on the tent. I was still kind of trying to dry out all my stuff. Um, uh, burn my boots. My boots had holes in the side of them because I had them <laughs> off. You know, I tried to put them close to the fire. Um, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was definitely an experience, uh, you know, crawling up through the shale rock. I, I started out with mechanics gloves on my hands, but they were so torn by the end of it. Just hands were bloody. Got to the top, me and my buddy, we, uh, doubled up. We got two sheet, hiked down, back down to the river and we were washing out the capes and washing off the meat. And we hear splashing in the river and look up bear. 50 yards from running in coming uh, running coming running and luckily luckily had a gun you know um shot the bear we uh and then the, the final thing that really took it over the edge was our water filter broke so we only brought one because we were trying to save weight you know what i mean like uh <laughs> the saying is um Ounces create pounds, pounds create pain. So we were each trying to carry, you know, he was carrying the spotting scope. I was carrying the binoculars. So we we're trying to split up the weight. Um, and we only brought one water filter. Didn't have a life straw or anything with us. So 
the only water we found up that high was a uh, moose wallow. No. So it was just chocolate, chocolate milk. And oh my gosh. We drank it. And, <laughs> <laughs> all we had. And uh, oh my, my buddy, God. we finally got back to, the, got picked up and we started driving and me and him were like, we don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> we had to stop every like, 20 minutes and jump out of the truck and both ends. I was going to say both ends. <laughs> yeah, and, um, oh luckily, luckily he didn't get too bad. I ended up in the ER for three days with Giardia. So, yeah. so you got a double on that one. Then you and your buddy both killed a sheep and you killed a bear. Yeah. What kind of bear was it? Uh, that was a black bear. Black bear. Yeah. Is that, so is that included in your, in your 10 there, that black bear? Yes. That, that's so you just got it by chance <laughs> yeah i mean I, I shot, <laughs> yeah i shot another one later on over okay. um, over bait but yeah that was a two for one and then uh the final one was uh the elk but three days prior to my elk hunt i had drawn a tag in new mexico and uh i was deer hunting in texas the uh and i went up in a tree stand and uh, didn't have a harness on. <laughs> I already know where this is going. <laughs> it was about, I would say, 18, 20 feet, and the stand broke, actually. It, the tree kind of, part of the tree broke, and I ended up falling out of the tree. What kind and, of tree was it? Uh, I was in the ER for, had uh, compressed, uh, compressed my spine. Yeah. My vertebrae. And uh, this is, wait, this is in Texas or where? No, this was in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Before your elk Yeah, before my elk <laughs> It was in New Mexico three days. And uh, you can't make this up. <laughs> the doctors and the nurses were like, you can't go on, you know, because that's all I was talking about. I'm like, it's the last one. I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> and they're like, you can't. You got to rest. And then, uh, funny thing, I won't say his name, but my squadron commander, um, Justin can probably explain that to everybody but my squadron commander's like he was following my journey because like a magazine had come out and i was in it and uh, i showed him and he's like are you gonna go on that oak hunt i said yeah <laughs> i said i'm gonna try and he he was like no you're not and uh luckily we were off for christmas exodus and i was on leave anyways and uh i ended up going on that elk hunt for sure <laughs> Just deal with the yeah. paperwork later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but your last one, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, I you paid for the lose. <laughs> I paid for the tag, had everything, you know, hotels reserved, had everything packed. I was ready to go. Um, luckily, my buddy was uh, pretty willing. He uh, he drove. He pretty much did everything. But yeah, I used uh, I used a hiking two hiking sticks to hobble along because my knee was all uh messed up shoulder my back and uh oh my gosh luckily shot an elk at like 30 yards and i kind of just sat down luckily we only had to hike uh it was uh, probably a couple hundred yards so it was slow going for sure like i was hobbling along limping um i definitely wasn't doing good and uh well yeah i can't imagine shot the elk and i was like <laughs> I told him, I'm like, you got work to do. So he ended up packing out the whole elk by himself because I couldn't lift anything. They told me not to lift anything more than 10 pounds. So 
hopefully you took care of him, right? Like you bought him a hunt or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah, we, we've been hunting together a long time. He's, uh, I've helped him. He's kind of helped me. So it's kind of a last, you know, last payment for that. I mean, we still hunt together, but the, uh, yeah, he did all the work and got it done. That was the, uh, that was the goal. And, uh, what was crazy is after I, you know, it shot it, it was, it was kind of one of them unreal surreal moments. You can't really, it's tough to explain to people that I guess it would be like something after you completed uh, like a hundred mile or something. I don't know. I don't think I ran farther than a 5k. So I don't know. what. It's like. <laughs> so just imagine you running a hundred miler. <laughs> well, you yeah. said you hiked 37 miles. So you've officially done an ultra. Yeah. So the, uh, it was just kind of one of those unexplainable moments and sat down and, uh, you know, it was just like, you did it. And just, I don't know. It's, you just can't explain something like that, that you finally completed a goal after a decade long excursion that I would say, I think that the last time I looked, there was only like 200 people that had completed it. And that's crazy. Just, you know, I did it on while being on active duty and yeah, it was just surreal to be, I guess, in the top level of uh, the hunting community. So you, uh, you, you killed your sheep, like, and I know those sheep like hang out super high. You have to get up there, but so do goats, right? Yeah. They always say, uh, the mountain goat hunters look down on the sheep hunters. <laughs> So tell us what about your, sorry? tell What'd us you about your, uh, uh, Robbie, uh, they said, uh, they always say the mountain goat hunters look down on the sheep hunters. Okay. Like they're, they're less, they're less of a man. <laughs> <laughs> like the sheep, like a doll sheep for you guys that don't know a doll sheep, just, they just look super cool. They're just they're white and full curl and like, they just look super awesome. But you see the goats are the same. They're white you know, they just have smaller horns, but it just like, I don't know. It just seems just crazy to me. Just like, I mean, we run mountains, so I don't, I don't know what the difference it would be just going up them and, you know, hunting, but like, tell us the story of the goat hunt. That seems really cool. So the goat hunt, um, I took a buddy from, uh, Arizona. He flew up to Alaska to meet me on, uh, we went on Kodiak Island. Um, the, so goats are, I mean, they hang out on, razor sharp edges the uh you gotta be careful where you shoot them because they might be unrecoverable um some mountain goat hunters take uh you know take rock climbing gear to retrieve their animals oh my gosh you have to be an athlete to do that huh? <laughs> yeah so i mean you gotta watch every step um it can kill you any second if you take it's uh wet grass it's it's worse than ice honestly you know in the morning when the dew um, so you just got to watch every step you take and, uh, be careful where you put yourself at. Cause you can get yourself in real trouble if you, you know, try to push yourself and then you can't say you jump down a ledge and then you can't get back up that ledge. You're stuck on that rock face. And then, you know what I mean? The only way out is either go down or get rescued. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you just have to be, you know, extremely careful. We, uh, yeah, we went up, he ended up uh, twisting his knee and, he stopped halfway. He's like, I can't go any go anymore. I'm like, all right, well, there's goats up there, so I'm going. And uh 
ended up shooting that one by myself. That one wasn't, uh, that one was more luck. It was in the perfect location, good wind, you know, it just rolled down into a bowl after you. So once you shoot them, they just roll down the hill, um, like a hundred miles an hour. It's just crazy. <laughs> tumble down the hill. So the, uh, the more interesting one was definitely the one with my dad, um, taking him on a mountain goat hunt. Cause that's kind of like, uh, I just want to repay him for everything, you know, he taught me. So I put him in for the Alaska draw. He ended up drawing a goat tag. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, Hey, I want to take you on something that, you know, the average hunter, you know, won't ever be able to do or go on. So I, you know, he's older, so we definitely had to go a lot slower. And, um, I just kind of wanted to repay him for the stuff he had done for me. And, you know, cause he's shot, you know, white tailed deer in Minnesota and pheasants. So I just wanted to give him that unique experience. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you uh, have that opportunity, you know, being up there. Yeah. So like I said, I put him in the nice tent, gave him the nice sleeping bag. I bought the Amazon tent, Amazon sleeping bag. And <laughs> he slept on a, uh, he slept on a thermorest, you know, basically like a little air mattress for, and, uh, yeah, I slept on the ground and Ooh, it's cold. Ended, up, ended up getting him a goat. And, uh, yeah, then the plane crash happened. Oh, so he was on that flight when the plane yeah, crashed. Yeah, he was on that flight too. Um, Has he come back and hunted with you ever again, or was that it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's been back. He, uh, I don't know, I kind of, you know, I'm kind of glad he was there because, you know, I think, you know, life being older experiences, I was kind of rattled, honestly. I'm like, what do we do, you know? The pilot was probably younger than me, as you know, being up in Alaska. I don't know if half them guys flying bush planes have licenses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, no, there's there, there's as many planes up here as there are cars. Yeah, I think the the pilot must have been 20 years old. He was, I think he was scared because I mean he crashed a plane. I don't. I think it was a rental plane, so it was. Just, I think he was. He was rattled. I was rattled. Lucky, you know, my dad was able to keep us calm and, uh, you know, navigate us through that situation. Yeah, that's crazy. And you had to go. So it was a. <laughs> yeah, it was a win win. <laughs> Did you get a goat on that one or just your dad? Uh, just my dad on that one. Okay. What I know, like Kodiak brown bears are some of the bigger bears out there. Were you ever concerned about? the bears on the island or did you run into them? Oh yeah, absolutely. The, uh, that gunshot is like a, uh, dinner bell for them. So you yeah. <laughs> There's been, I've heard it didn't happen to us. Luckily. Uh, I mean, we've seen some bears way off, but there's been guys that will shoot an animal and there'll be a bear on them, bear on the animal before they even get there. Wow. There's nothing so, you can do about that. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about that for sure. That's crazy. What about sick of deer? I know there's a lot of deer out on that island. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I wanted to get my dad fishing, salmon fishing and halibut fishing. So we didn't even, we seen some deer, but I was like, we're not going to mess with those. We, you know, we came here, achieve the goal. Let's, uh, let's get back to dry land and, uh, go fishing. <laughs> awesome. I love it. So what other cool story do you have? Let's see. Uh, got lost plane crash fell out of a tree sheep hunt <laughs> um I'm, I'm i'm interested in this black bear that 
you had to shoot. Did you, did you, did you have a permit? Did you pack it out? Yeah. So, uh, that's one thing I learned. You always, uh, you always carry every, every tag you can hunt. You always carry every tag. Cause when you don't have that tag, that's when you, uh, see that animal or, uh, anytime you don't have a gun, that's, <laughs> you know, scouting or something. And it's during the season. And, uh, yeah, that animal's just standing there by the side of the road or, so yeah, always have a gun and always have a tag. So yeah, it's just a, you can get those tags over the counter. You can shoot five black bears per year in Alaska. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what happens um, if it's like just in self-defense and you got to kill that? I'm sure you got to let the Division of Wildlife know or the, the regulatory people know. Yeah, so uh, it's called, uh, I believe, uh, self-defense or life property. Um, that's a, there's a certain, there's a regulation for that in pretty much every hunting book that I know of for every state. The uh, DLP, DLP, that's what it's called, defensive life and property. Okay. The, uh, so if, if you were to shoot that, you better, um, you better have all your ducks in a row for sure. The uh, it better be within, like it was going to kill you. Um, you better have pictures of tracks. You know they usually investigate those uh, those incidents pretty thoroughly. And, uh, yeah, some guys have definitely got in trouble for that. Cause it wasn't close enough. Um, bears will bluff charge you. So you gotta be careful. It's not like a fake charge. It's an actual charge. The, uh, so yeah, they definitely investigate all those. So with you having a license for that black bear, did you even have to report that or did you just count it as a normal, one of your harvests? Uh, you count it as one of your harvests. You still have to report it. You still have to take it in. Uh, they still measure the skull, uh, do their tests, take a tooth. Um, and then they, uh, it's called sealing it. And they, yeah. uh, last game of fish seals it. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, do you ever have any, uh, brown bear encounters, grizzly bear encounters? Uh, a few. They, uh, surprisingly, I've never had one, uh, you know, charge me or, uh, come too close. Honestly, every time I've been around them, it seems like they're more scared of me. They are scared of humans than they are of people. But I mean, I'm sure you've seen the news out of J bear, them guys, them army soldiers that got killed, um, yeah. out in the backwoods. I mean, it happens every year in Alaska. I think it's just situational for sure. I do feel that it is situational. It's terribly sad that, you know, people lose their lives to animals, but you, you sometimes wonder like how much influence the person had on the animal, you know, if, you know, like you hear about people getting bit by snakes and dying, you get hear about people getting bit by, or, you know, killed by a bear or a moose or whatever, but like how much were, and I'm not saying that that was the case by any means of those individuals that were killed or any individual that was killed by an animal, but like, you know, I've had tons of encounters with snakes and I've never been bitten by one. Um, but I've also never tried to pick one up before. You know? So, <laughs> so you always wonder like how much are these people messing with the animal or, you know, you see a bear from a distance, you kind of let it do its thing. You let it pass. It won't, it possibly won't bother you more than likely won't bother you. But I mean, you always have that, you know, chance that it could, but I would say for the most part, if you see it, you respect it, you give it its distance. It's not going to, it's not going to bother you. It's when you're, you know, trying to get a closer look like, Oh, let me see what it looks like. And you're getting close to it. And you're, you know, you're getting within its territory. 
I'm of course, any animal is going to do that. Humans do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, sows with cubs, female bears with cubs. That's always a dangerous situation. Female moose, even female moose with uh, their calves. Um, yeah, I'm out here running right now and, and it's wintertime and I'm, I mean, obviously the bears aren't a big deal right now cause they're asleep, but are hibernating. Um, I know they don't sleep, but they're hibernating. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm more worried about the moose with calves. Cause I see tracks all over the place on these trails that I'm running. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, all I need is just this me run across the trail and there's a calf and a you know, a mama split up and I'm like, I'm about to get destroyed. <laughs> yeah. They, the, the, if they ever pin their ears back, you know, you're in uh you know, you're in trouble. That's what I always watch for. Yeah. A lot of times like I'll get off work and go run and it's at night. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is terrifying. I have like this super bright spotlight and I wear it all the time. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to get caught in the middle of the night. Well, it's not middle. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> It's feels pitch, like an night. Yeah, it's pitch black outside. I'm like, I'm not going to get caught by some freaking moose out here just tearing me up in the middle of the road, middle of nowhere. But anyway, we're we're diverting away from you from your story here. But oh, that's all right. I like to I like to hear everybody's stories. I'm curious. If you guys, uh... <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had any moose encounters. We've had um, a couple people on the podcast. <clears throat> the two people they say that moose are the worst encounters they've ever had with any animals. And they've had mountain lions and bears encounters. And they both said that moose were the scariest encounters they've had. And would, they're most scared of moose on the trail. Yeah, I would 100% agree with their uh, their judgment. I think moose or female moose in general are probably the most territorial and probably one of the meaner animals, which is surprisingly because they don't have a lot of predators because they're so big, you know? Um, yeah, I would say, I, would I don't say think people moose. realize how freaking big a moose is like until I feel like you see one here in Alaska, like an Alaskan, I think it's Alaska Yukon moose. Is that what it yeah, is? Alaskan Yukon. Yep. Until somebody sees how massive these things are like, they're huge. I mean, they're as big as they're bigger than a car. They stand taller than a car. Seems yeah. like they're bigger than a horse. <laughs> oh, way bigger than a horse. <laughs> The, uh, cut you off. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. When when you guys are running through these, I'm curious because I don't run marathons through mountains. Uh, the uh, you guys ever? You said you ran into mountain lions and no, I wish I haven't oh. seen a mountain lion yet. I've only seen have, one black bear. I have never seen one on the trail. Um, I've had two instances where I have been running at night, and I think we scared one. And this is crazy because it was back to back night or weekend. So one, you know, weekend after weekend. And I was with about 10 people the first weekend and one just like, I can't even describe what the sound of the mountain lion was, but it was just kind of like a deep growl. Like, I don't know if we scared it or if it was just like, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm here. We all, and about 10 of us stopped in our tracks. We're like, whoo, cause when you're running, like you don't, you know, you don't carry anything for protection. Like this yeah. mountain lion came at us. We're all going to die. Like, what am I throw my little like plastic flask water bottle? At it? I'm going to die. There's no way. And then the next weekend I was running me and two girls were running and, and both of these were at night and yeah, another mountain lion got us. They can get us, but like yelled at us, screamed at us. I don't know what they do, but 
And I told my other two friends and I was like, oh, that was just a cow. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm terrified the whole time. I'm like, damn, this, this mountain lion's like stalking us. <laughs> like I put my phone in my, uh, I turned my phone on to music and stuff. That way it would like blast out. Like, fuck. as soon as we got back to the car, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, it was not a cow. That was definitely a mountain lion. They're like, duh. <laughs> but yeah, those are the only two instances I've ever had with them. But yeah, pretty, uh, pretty terrifying. I had one, um, it followed us back to the car after we were good, done. And this was at night also. It was, we were doing a, a full moon hike up in Colorado on a 14er. And we got back into camp and one of the, one of our dogs took off and was missing for a while. And uh, we finally found the dog. We got in the, had a rooftop tent on my truck and all four dogs were in my truck bed with the cab, you know, and it was a couple hours later we just heard the dogs barking all crazy. Then we heard the cat, you know, whatever noise they make <clears throat> dogs went silent, stopped moving in the truck. Um, I jumped up, grabbed my gun. I just had a nine millimeter like that was going to do something, but <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. Uh, <clears throat> went to unzip the, the tent and it was gone. I never even saw it, but it, it scared the shit out of us. I could tell you that because it was right next to the truck making some, weird noises <laughs> i've heard stories of people trail running at night and they have their headlamps and they just look up in the trees and there's eyes up there looking at them it's like whew. oh yeah that's just i don't know it makes your hair stand up just thinking about that yeah yep hey so tell me like when when you achieve the accomplishment like what do you have to do to prove that you did the the super 10 does there have to be pictures do you have to have them all mounted do they have to um, be all male or can they be female animals as well or no so they uh they have to be all male even the mountain lion the uh yeah even the mountain lion the uh i'm not sure why that is i never asked that question but yeah they have to be all male i would assume because it's easier to kill females because there's more female animals or yeah there's more female animals you know, you definitely see way more female moose than you do. Yeah. Bull moose. The, uh, you have to take a picture and then you have to write like almost i I'll call it an incident log or a hunting log, um, where you got it. Uh, just basically a, a detailed report of where you got it, a picture. And, uh, yeah, they basically just kind of interview you and make sure it's a uh, legit. Cause uh, yeah. they have a, they have a, a big award show every year in Vegas and they hand out um, awards for, you know, people who have completed the grand slam, the super 10, um, the youth three, I can't remember what that one is, but yeah, that's for youth hunters. Um, basically they have just a bunch of award categories. That, so you actually went to Vegas and got an award then, huh? The, uh, it got canceled COVID, uh, COVID got that because I, you know, I completed it in 2019 and I was supposed to go in 2020. Oh, no. Did they just send you the award or did you just go a later date or? No, they just sent it to me at that point. Terrible. Yeah, they canceled, I believe, they canceled 19, 20, 21. And they finally had one again, I believe, in 2020 or this This year. year. Yep. So it's a spring of every year. And then the, uh, yeah, I mean, I was excited to meet some of the, you know, big names uh in the hunting community for sure the guys you see on tv and magazines um 
and yeah, just didn't happen. COVID. Yeah, that sucks. So you have to do interview with the person. You have to prove that you killed the animal. Like, how do you prove that it was like on the bear or a mountain lion or some of those that don't have antlers? Like, how do you prove that it was a male? The uh, so like mountain goats, it's hard to tell between male and female because they both have antlers. Yeah, same with caribou. Same. Are with they the, both? Uh, are both the goats like? Um, do they? both have like full grown. Cause I know like caribou have antlers, but they're tremendously yeah. smaller. Tremendously smaller for sure. The, uh, is the goats the same? Uh, actually the females usually have longer horns, but their horns are skinnier. So that's really? how you tell the difference. Yeah. And that's very interesting. Yeah. When you're glass and mountain goats, the, uh, it's, that's one of the things you have to be sh- sure of. Cause they don't want you shooting nannies, female goats um just because that hurts the population later on down the road so they want yeah, you actually shoot male goats hmm. and so you have to identify it by looking at the base of the horn the thickness and uh what's crazy is their horns you know a trophy is usually around 10 inches so just to look at that you know from four or five hundred yards <laughs> is trophy is 10 inches <laughs> that's, a male, that's a male goat <laughs> oh my gosh that's funny. <laughs> What'd you do with all these animals that, uh, the 10 animals you got? So the, uh, I think I mounted about seven of them. Um, one of our, you know, I, I regret mounting the caribou cause it's so big and you can't hang it anywhere. <laughs> um, oh, so you killed yeah. a monster then. Yeah. I gotta get it. Uh, I gotta find, I gotta buy a house with vaulted ceilings cause now I gotta yeah. currently, you hang it about eye level. Um, I have uh I have two stags that I killed. Well, I killed one in Scotland and my wife killed the other. And like when you walk down into my basement, their nose is about the about eye level with you. Level, just because yeah. they're so massive. Like, yeah, red stags are huge. Yeah. So so I, I understand your struggles. <laughs> yeah, some of the bigger stuff I didn't mount, like a moose. I wasn't gonna, you know. And the moose wasn't that big, but it was a male moose. The, uh, but yeah, some of the bigger stuff I didn't mount, like the buffalo, didn't mount that one. I just did the head on that. Or just Where'd you get your mount. buffalo at? Uh, I shot that in Canada, actually. Canada? Yeah. Um, was it on private the, or? Uh, yeah, uh, I paid a trespass fee to an Indian reservation. Oh, uh, Indian reservation, got it. Yeah, um, paid the trespass fee for that one. I don't talk about that one a lot because uh, it's like shooting a cow. It's uh, walk up and just find one. Yeah. I've heard that about Buffalo or, uh, you know, muskox or something like that. Like there's just, it's kind of just like shooting a cow. It's just like part of the herd type thing. It's, it's weird. That one, one, there's, there's no story to it. It's uh, (laughs) guy, you pay the guy money. He's like, all right, here it is. Yeah, that's basically what it is. You drive around, you look for them, you know, you glass or you ride on a snow machine, you glass and like you kind of pick out the good one out of the herd and like, yep, that's the one. And uh, you shoot it. So I don't really talk about that hunt. It was, just, yeah, it was <laughs> I would imagine the amount of meat you got out of that, though. Would probably, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. it'd be worth the money that you probably paid for it because, I mean, if you bought a cow, if you bought a, an entire cow from someone, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, so uh, I did the math when I shot it because I was, you know, 
I didn't want to waste a ton of money on it, but I still wanted to compete or complete the goal. The uh, it was about like three fifty a pound. Yeah, that's uh, not bad. No, I, I mean, if you look in the stores, I don't, last time I looked at it, pound in South Dakota. Yeah, Buffalo per pound is not cheap for sure. Yeah, and that I mean that's that's cheaper than beef prices, you know, and and I'm assuming that cost that's that's the price of, you know your steaks and all, all types of stuff. You can, I mean, you yeah. could feed your entire family for well over a year on all that meat. Yeah. Steaks, roast burger. Um, I definitely eat everything. I, I shoot a lot of people, you know, as you see on social media, you know, um, a lot of people are against killing animals and, um, I definitely eat them all for sure. The, yeah. uh, a lot of people say I'm a trophy hunter. Um, I do like to kill big stuff for sure, but, the uh i i've shot my fair share of uh small deer small yeah. moose yeah but, well uh, i mean i think you're not shooting you're shooting you know large whether you know you're you're hunting large antlered animals but if you think about it at the same time you're killing a mature animal like you know one that's gotten to its you know its mature stage in life you're killing you know a, a six seven year old deer that you know to be frank that probably wouldn't live much longer in a natural world anyways because it would start yeah, to decline and get killed by something else and so like you know people I, I i hear this all the time is like people talk about you know oh you're just a trophy hunter killing you know that big deer and like well i mean yeah you are killing that big deer but at the same time you're you're choosing to to take a mature animal as opposed to like a real young deer that can live its full life and you know, reproduce many years. So, I mean, I get it. There, it's, it's a negative, negative. I guess if you want to look at it in that way, like you're, yeah, I'm killing big deer, but at the same time, like, I guess the negative positive, you're killing big deer, but at the same time, you're you're helping out. So, I'm definitely yeah. on the side of conservation, but that's 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 another that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm not near as smart as a lot of people to talk about talk about that. Yeah, the uh, I mean, the sheep I killed was ten and a half years old. The uh, oh wow, that's a that's an old sheep. Yeah, they usually only live to about twelve max, and uh, it's crazy. You think about it, like what that animal has endured over those, you know. I can't even imagine. You know, living on the side of a mountain, weather, went hard winters. Uh, And so, like a sheep, and I know I, you know, I just from talking to friends that are sheep hunters, and you know, just doing my own research, like. You have to count rings on a sheep's. I think they're horns, right? They're not antlers; yeah, they're actual so horns. Yeah. Called, uh, the rings—it's kind of like a tree. I compare it to a tree. Uh, they're called annuli. Um, it has to be at least eight years old for you to harvest it. Okay, but then they could have false ears too, right? Yeah, they can have false ears too. And like uh-huh. you don't know that when you shoot that animal that that ring was a false year. So you're five, 600 yards away counting rings through binoculars. Like that's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, certain draw tags, certain States, you can shoot half curls, full curls, um, Alaska's you can shoot full curls, uh, broomed or broken sheep, or it has to be eight years old. The, um, yeah. Counting the annuli can you get you in trouble, but, um, you just have to practice, honestly. I mean, it's just like anything else you have to, look at pictures, watch YouTube videos, look at sheep in the wild. Um, you just have to be sure of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
What's your, what was your favorite to eat out of, or your favorite to eat out of all those animals? Well, I'll start out with the worst. My opinion is bear. His bear is terrible. It's really, greasy. I like bear. It's greasy. Um, even if it's eating berries, uh, a lot of people disagree with me, but I think bear is terrible. My opinion. No way. We actually went to a race. Robbie and I went to a race in Montana and at the end of the race, they had bear sliders and it was a, it was a berry bear. So the meat was blue and it was just, it was kind of cool. Cause like, I don't know, in our community that, you know, wild game is not a, a common thing at, at a, a race. So it was kind of cool. They had mountain lion chili and, uh, bear sliders. And, but I thought it was really good. I don't know, Robbie, what was your, it was delicious. That was yeah, my first was time really bear good. and mountain lion. Yeah, it was really good. I thought both the mountain lion chili was a little different. I'm not going to lie to you on that one, but yeah. I mean, it wasn't oh. bad, but it was, it was different, but oh, it's, it's different for sure. Um, the, uh, maybe I just never cooked it right. The, uh, or I'm not a good cook. The, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, just wasn't a fan of bear, but my favorite was probably caribou. Honestly, a lot of people, really? a lot of people disagree with me that, you know, <laughs> even on that aspect is, um, but yeah, caribou's extremely good moose, buffalo. It just, you know, it tastes like a grass fed cow, honestly. Yeah. Buffalo is good. I do like buffalo, but yeah, it's, you're right. It's so expensive. I would say like ground buffalo is probably like eight to ten dollars a pound. Yeah, what's crazy is uh, something to think about that a lot of people in uh, I had a few weightlifters, you know, at the fire department, and uh, they looked up um, like protein and fat per wild game versus uh, say chicken and beef, and uh, yeah, I think for people that you know do a lot of athletic uh type things wild game is you know has higher protein count less fat if you you know if you just google it after the podcast you'll be like wow that's that's interesting for guys that work out and run that's uh it's way healthier yeah i think i looked it up at one time at one point that a moose is uh like the leanest meat out there right mm-hmm. so it's just a naturally occurring like just moose is the leanest that's cool pretty neat I, I hey, man. It's pretty lean too. Cause, um, if they don't add the fat to it, um, you know, the people that would be up there hurting the caribou or the reindeer or whatever would, uh, get sick for not having enough fat and die from not having eating enough fat. Cause they just eat caribou. So kind of like the rabbit, whatever they call it, rabbit fever or something like that. Yeah. Where it's just not it's just so lean. That just kind of blows my mind away thinking that caribou is that lean and moose, I guess. Caribou is a very intriguing animal to me. I, I really want to go hunt one, but uh, that's my wife's number one animal that she wants to hunt. So <laughs> like, I want to go hunt one, but at the same time, she's like, you're not going without me. So like, all right, I want to go on a bear hunt. Yeah, a doll sheep would be cool. So the doll sheep was kind of hard because we were so hungry. Um we ate the back straps one of the nights over the fire and it was, I mean, it felt like a $500 steak. It just, uh, Oh my gosh, really? It was yeah, that good, huh? Yeah, it was that good. But, uh, I mean, when we got the rest processed, the, uh, I mean, it was definitely good for sure. 
I've, I've, I had a coworker and he got doll sheep and I was lucky enough. He gave me some of it and I was very impressed how good that is. I can't say that I've ever eaten doll sheep before. I don't actually know if I've ever eaten goat before goat or sheep. How, yeah. How was the, the goat? So, uh, the goat was good too. The, uh, you gotta be careful with, uh, goats because some of them can taste like, uh, your, they can taste super metallic-y kind of just depending. I don't know why. I don't, you know, I don't know the biology of some goats, but like say the Spanish goats that they hunt in Hawaii and Australia or even in Texas, they taste, taste terrible. Hey, I was going to ask me when you're mentioning Texas and hunting animals in Texas, does that count as far as the super 10 is like, cause I know there's a lot of like high fence ranches in Texas that have all of those animals on there. Does that count towards the big no, 10 or super 10? No, that doesn't. It has to be a fair chase. Ah, okay. Yeah. Have you done any of those high fence hunts in Texas? Yes. Yeah, surprisingly, I was like, you know what? I'm in Texas. Um, I was like, I want to try, you know, people talk about it. I want to try, you know, and see what it's like and, uh, you know, kind of live the other, you know, see the other side. Cause you know, people have arguments about hunting over bait and hunting high fences. And, you know, I was just like, you know what, I want to experience that. So I paid to hunt access deer on a high fence and, uh, it's surprisingly easy. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much sport in it. I would assume. No, not really. Um, and the only time I see sport in it is if it's a super massive high fence, like 50,000 acres or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I've, never, I've never hunted a high fence. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, it was, it was easy and I experienced it and I probably won't do it again, but yeah, had to try it. Yeah, I know for sure. You definitely got to try it. So. Well, hey man, what kind of what kind of gear are you using? So the uh, like we talked at the beginning of the podcast, the uh, I always suggest buy nice gear. The yeah. uh, spend the money once. That goes uh, for everything, guys. Yeah. Everything. Like if you're a runner, if you're a backpacker, if you're a hunter, like gear. If you buy the nice gear, it will last you a long time, and you don't have to replace it. Buy the nice gear. Over. <laughs> you're yeah, not so. the first person to say that trust me that's you're good first that's person good. um yeah i wear uh sitka and first light camo um my opinion it keeps you the driest keeps you the warmest the uh it's expensive for sure the then uh my hunting pack was cheap i bought a cabela's like hundred dollar hunting pack went through two or three of them um <laughs> Definitely not the best for your back. Uh, rifle, I uh, I went cheap. Oh, a TC Compass, it's like a $300 rifle, but I put uh, expensive loophole glass on it uh, because I always compare it to like buying nice tires. You can buy it, you can have a crappy car, but if you have nice tires, it's, uh, it'll get you down the road. Yeah, I remember the saying like you want to spend as as much on the glass as you spend on the rifle, right? Yeah, or I guess more. in your case you you spent more, but yeah, I pretty much tripled the price of the rifle. So <laughs> the the gun goes bang, but the you know the clear, <laughs> the clear view and uh, the magnification, everything it's definitely helps out tremendously. 
No, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, water filters. I'm sure you guys talked about filtering water on this podcast before. Um, MSR is always good. Jet boil, um, Havilon knives. The uh, trying to think what else. I have a list somewhere. Nah, really, no worries. Yeah, didn't bring a list exactly, but yeah, clothing definitely spend the money because you don't want to be wet. Uh, good boots. Also, um, I wear Danner boots. A lot of people wear, uh, they're Italian, I believe Kenneth trackers, Amberlands. Um, I tried those before, but I, I just, I don't know that it's weird. Like, I guess they have like a rocker in them or something like that. I just can't get used to, I wear Danner boots as well. I just, I can't get used to the, the rocker feeling of them. It's, it's very odd to me. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much if you're, walking on flat they're not supposed to be used on flat ground i don't think i think it's meant for you know mountain hunting um yeah i wear uh darn tough socks my opinion best socks around i don't know if you guys what type of socks you run with you know i actually run in darn tough tough as well i i yeah, I run in them as well. And I, I know a lot of people do. And socks are a big topic of in the running community as well. But um I love I do love darn tough, tough socks. I love yeah. the the hiking ones with all the cushion in them. Oh yeah. The yeah, for sure. Yep, darn tough socks. Awesome. They'll save you life. And they'll save your life for sure. You uh get those blisters. Maybe I should have oh. been wearing a pair today. <laughs> <laughs> I got some blisters today. Sorry. <laughs> Robbie pulled uh, brand new shoes out of the box with extremely crappy socks and ran 15 miles. <laughs> Got to break them in. Right. Ooh, not I what I would have done. I like learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was texting me while I was running. He's like, yeah, this is, uh, this is what I did today. And I was like, gross. <laughs> he literally went to the running store as he's driving to the area where he was going to go run. <laughs> oh. The uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you're going to ask about it or not, but uh, a lot of people don't think about it um, when you're hunting always. Uh, so you're competing against other people in a sense, even though it's, you know, it's not really a competition, but you're trying to harvest the animal. Um, think outside the box. So a lot of stuff that has led to my successes is, say public hunting public land so hunting with the orange army i call it uh, <laughs> i'll i'll hunt you know i'll kayak across the lake and hunt the other side that nobody because it's a roadless area um and just just think differently when you're hunting um i did a caribou hunt in alaska and i used a mountain bike it was a it was a non-motorized area so i bought a you know a mountain bike from a garage sale and a little kitty trailer and we biked in 30 miles wow. and used the kitty trailer to carry everything in and out. That's cool. Um, just a lot of people don't. It wasn't an e-bike, was it? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I have, one... <laughs> I have one buddy that's just like, if he sees you on an e-bike, yeah, he blows you up. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it's not motorized, so you can't. Uh, oh, you can't even have an e-bike then. can't even have an e-bike. So a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys hike that 30 miles or 15, but yeah, I just, you know, rode a bike in. It was easy, honestly. Yeah. It's part of the adventure. 
yeah, so you gotta, you just gotta think, you know, outside the box to really be, really be successful. Um, something I do in Texas and one of the hunting areas I do, everybody takes four wheelers in there and, uh, I actually don't go f- too far from the parking area and I let everybody ride by me when they're four wheeler. And I've been successful every time because they go way back in with four wheeler and loud and don't get off their four wheeler and hike in. And yeah, it's just got to think, got to think differently and it'll lead to a lot of successes for hunting. That's, that's actually some really good advice. Yeah. I never even, never thought about that. Hmm. So we like to, we like to build our network of, you know, whoever. So, you know, we're, we're interviewing, uh, uh, you, a hunter currently, um, you know, like I said earlier, we're, we're primarily runners. So a lot of our podcasts have been runners, but we want to grow our network. So who would you like for us to interview? Um, you know, I'm definitely going to start listening because, uh, I mean, I hadn't heard of you guys till Mullinex told me not to put you on blast or anything, but to definitely get your network out there. Um, you guys ever had like a bodybuilder weightlifter? We have not actually nutritionist, anything like that. Nope. That would, uh, I'll reach out and, uh, get you some names for sure. But I don't know for, you know, healthy running. And, uh, I would say nutritionists, maybe weightlifting specialist. I don't know something, uh, Cause I was going to suggest another hunter, but I don't know if you want another, uh, hunter taxidermist. Well, we'd love a taxidermist. Yeah. Taxidermist would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, his name's Marcus Mitchell. He's, uh, up in Fairbanks, Alaska. He's, he's got a lot of crazy stories for sure. And, uh, he's definitely been through some trials and himself, he would be good. Um, but yeah, my suggestion, I would say, get some, uh, nutritionists, uh, weightlifters. I don't know. Yeah. Expand that network and have somebody different every week. So it can apply to hopefully everybody. And yeah, that that's our goal, honestly, is to, you know, it's just like, we're just in the running community and we know a lot of runners. So it just happens to be that we don't want to be a running podcast by any means. And we don't really advertise as a running podcast. We advertise as an adventure podcast. It just happens to be that a lot of the community that we interview are runners. So, I mean, we sprinkled in a bunch of, you know, I think you're our third or fourth hunter. So, um, you know, not terrible. We're, we're, we're doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why we like to ask that question because you brought up some, I'd never thought about, you know, bodybuilders or weightlifters. Um, even though I've, when I was young, I was bodybuilder. I didn't compete, but you know, of course, you know, all the young boys, when you're growing up, want to get big muscles for the girls, but, um, and I've studied nutrition for years and that even passed my mind to think of bringing someone on like that. Yeah. And we have tons of people on Instagram that we follow that are like, that. It's like, all you gotta do is send a DM and be like, Hey, come on our podcast. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, uh, you know, I know you guys run a lot and, uh, one of the other things that, you know, I, I honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't work out a lot. I, yeah. like I said, I, most I've ever ran is like three miles. I do my annual PT test and, yep. uh, it's, a. Uh, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but when you're running, I think it's, uh, when you're in that physical realm, a lot of it's, uh, mental, honestly, 
Yep. I mean, I just did 20 miles on a treadmill today. You don't think that was middle? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. I got no clue. I didn't even know how to answer that question. Yeah, I, I haven't ran out of treadmill in like 15 years. So, <laughs> oh, that's that complete craziness already. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, it, I 100% agree with you. I think uh, what we do, we, we're ultra runners. I think what we do is 90% mental the other half physical <laughs> so i don't know well hey Kenny, put, uh oh i'm sorry i'm i'm about sorry. to end how, it how would you put, how would, bringing that up um how would you put hunting where do you think the mental and physical part of hunting is last question <laughs> you said like a percentage like uh whatever how do you what do you think define it so like what do you think so obviously you have to have some skills um shooting um being able to like identify track animals identify footprints no travel corridors you have to know how an animal you have to think like an animal that's kind of crazy sounding but you have to think how you know <laughs> i like it <laughs> like am i going to walk down this trail or am i, I going to go to water today um you just have to you have to really get into it. Um, that I think is the hardest part for people to learn. And, uh, if you don't have somebody to teach you, like, you know, if you just like, Hey, I'm going to go out to this area, the, uh, knowing the rules, regulations, what you can, can't do. Um, the physical aspect is as long as you can, you know, put 80 to hundred pounds on your back, and put one foot in front of the other the like i said i, I don't work out um a few times a year the uh i honestly probably chew too much tobacco and eat too much candy honestly i <laughs> um, oh, love it you could call me i guess uh skinny fat <laughs> uh, it's I would say hunting is a mental thing when you're getting rained on and you're miserable up in the mountains and, uh, you're like, man, is this ever going to happen? Is it ever going to end? Um, I've one year I put, I didn't harvest a deer. I was going through some struggles. Um, I put 78 out, 80 hours into sitting in a tree stand. Um, it's just that mental, I, I would say hunting is, 70% mental, honestly. It's uh hiking's hiking's tough, but if you have the push and the drive to get through it, you'll get up, you'll you'll get up that mountain and you'll definitely uh you'll definitely get home back to where you're going because you you have to. Uh, right. so yeah. It's uh I would definitely say it's probably seven seventy percent mental when you're being, you know, some of the miserablest places on the planet, miserable environments. And uh yeah, that's what I would go with. I like it. Well, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thanks, man. Coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, we'll give you a second to to blast you yourself yourself out. Um, where can people find you? Uh, who do you want to thank along the way type thing? Uh, so, I mean, I don't post a lot on social media. 
Um, but my uh, Instagrams, uh, I believe Colton Kenny or Kenny Colton, super easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, if anybody, you can add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram. If you have any questions, uh, I've probably haunted it, probably been through it. Um, I would, I give advice all all the time. This year, I definitely. Uh, I decided to take a lot more people out hunting, first time hunters. That's kind of what I focused on this year. Um, I took a few kids this year. So I'm trying to finally actually, you know, give back because I've almost feel, uh, when I go hunting sometimes, I almost feel too accomplished. It's like, you know, after you kill so many deer and so many animals, so I'm starting to actually give back and uh, not hide so many secrets of the, the secret hole, the secret spot. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so anybody can hit me up Facebook, Instagram. I'll give advice. I've, yeah, I've hunted 15, I think 15 states. So awesome. Or I can find the answer. So cool. <laughs> well, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on telling your story. Uh, a great one for sure. Yeah. Um, and I was really looking forward to hearing everything about it and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we could make it work and make it happen. So thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. Awesome, gentlemen. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by Backbeat Sound. Come and find us on Instagram at BackbeatSound1776 or email us at BackbeatSound1776 at gmail.com. <laughs>